What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners with insights from, from distinguished business leaders and subject matter experts. Here on Working on Purpose, we're committed to realizing a world where work is enriching and a purposeful part of life. Leaders inspire people to realize their own greatness while contributing their passion, and business is elevated to unleashing spectacular cause in the world. Each week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something that changes the way you think and that you can immediately put to use. Much of the content we discuss on this program is a reflection of the work I do, so as you listen, if you catch a glimpse of anything I can do to help, go to my website, elisecortez.com, and use the contact me feature to message me. Let's talk about what's going on for you and how I might be able to help. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected, and thanks for listening. Now, on to this week's program. With us today is Heli Bundgaard. She's the founder of Motivation Factor Institute in Denmark and co-author of The Motivated Brain. She has dedicated the last 20 years to translating the newest discoveries within the field of neuropsychology into hands-on tools that create and support motivation. She joins today from Copenhagen, Denmark. Heli, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. It's so great to have you on the show. Let's thank our our common friend, Julie Lynch, for bringing us together. Thank you, Julie, for bringing a fantastic person into my world. So let's open, shall we? One of my one of my most favorite topics is the is motivation. In fact, this morning, um, Heli, on before this this conversation, I was out running and I was just thinking about just how central motivation is for me as well in the work that I do. So, let's talk about where your interest in motivation came from. And you say in the book that I read, of course, cover to cover, that it's universal, but it's also very individual and situational. And I love this, precious. And you wondered yes. about a common denominator. So I want to know, you You left a job, and then you spent four years looking into the latest psychology and brain science, and the result is here you are working at Motivation Factor, and you've created a framework. So tell us a bit more about where this, this interest and this fascination with motivation came from. Yes. Uh, well, it's actually started uh, in my career in, uh, in software, where I work with international sales and business development. And it also, it always struck me that, you know, even though I had a very nice job, I had a good paycheck, I had absolutely everything I could dream of. And still, I changed job every second year. Then I became bored, and then I wanted something new to happen. So that was actually, that was what kind of started the whole thing. So I decided, okay, uh, I'm just going to dedicate my life to really find out what it is that motivates people. And as you say, this about, uh, you know, running, it also came to me uh, one morning, uh, I went for a run, that, uh, you know, the brain is a a denominator, if we look at it like that. It's the same brain we have, you know, the process there is the same, whether we are from Denmark or US or China. It's the software that makes us different. And with that in mind, I just decided that's what I want to do. I want to make people super user of their brain. 
And motivation is a focal point in this whole process because it is motivation that decides if we do or don't do something. So this is actually a very short recap of, uh, of how this all started. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I love how you say that the brain is the super user. You make people a super user of their brain. That is gorgeous. Yeah. So, so motivation. If I think about it, for me, I people refer to me. I'm. They always. The one word they use to describe me and the work that I do is energy. So, mm-hmm. when you think about motivation, why is it so important? Why? Why would you? What, what, for people who don't know it on the level that you do, distinguish mm-hmm. for us why is motivation so important in our lives. Well, interesting enough, also when I started this whole journey, it was all about intrinsic motivation, how to get intrinsic motivated. But intrinsic motivation is only half part of the story. If you are not able to identify what takes away your motivation, which is the other half part of the story and actually is the foundation for that you can get intrinsic motivated, then you are missing something. And for me, it was all about these energy trainers, which, uh, which you can say an energy trainer occurs every time your expectation doesn't match your life circumstances. Mm. And those, expect- those expectations can be set by others, but they can definitely also be set by ourselves, right? That we always have very high goals. We always put ourselves in top. We always want to achieve more, better, better, better. So we might have some expectations to ourselves that can be really hard actually to achieve. And, and, and the expectations often that we have for others, this is what we call energy trainers, because 80% uh, of what drains our energy actually comes from what other people do or don't do. Mm. And these energy trainers, they are, they, are act, they are taking up space in the working memory of the brain, like the computer, right? So the, there's also a, a certain amount of capacity in the computer to process information. Where you can store information, there's tons of place of space. So this, when we work about, when we work with energy trainers, it's about making sense of them and putting them on the hard disk, you can say. Mm. I appreciate so much how you distinguish that, Helly. That is just, for me and my parlance, yummy. Um, so I, I want to talk next about what you did, what you addressed so beautifully in your book, the idea of how organizations try to leverage mass motivation through, through various means, employee benefits, sales incentives, et cetera. And here's why I want to do that. I really, really think that right now in, in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic, mm. on the other side of that, we have such an opportunity to recast the way the workplace is experienced and work gets done. That is, if we step into that opportunity, it, we can re- literally recreate the, this space that so many people drag themselves to, that being the workplace. So mm-hmm. if we can get away from this idea of mass motivation that's so mm-hmm. commonly employed and move towards something else, first talk about, you know, what is this idea of mass motivation? How does it show up in an organization so we can distinguish that? Yeah, so when I talk about mass motivation, it is, you know, there's so many motivation theories out there. And they are all very good. You, you, you can see Daniel Pink, you, there's Hertzberg, all these motivational theories, they are good. But in fact, what really matters is how you manage your motivation. And this is where it is individual and it is situational. 
because like we talked about the energy drainer, they are individual and situational. And if people and the workplace feel like, like they're victims of their circumstances, it's very difficult to make them change. It's very difficult to make them buy into change. So working with motivation in organizations, it is really about helping people to manage motivation because it is a dual responsibility between the employee and the, and the manager. You can't leave motivation to the manager. And you can say, if you look at the manager today, it's just so busy. We have been called out to, I don't know how many workshops where they only want half a day workshop and we talk about motivation. But then when we leave, you know, it's either too complex or it's too whatever. So that, that, the, that, that the foundation that you leave people with is this outside in approach. Now I'm successful. I'm going to tell you how I'm successful. And then you hope that what works for you actually also works for the individual. And this is very, very seldom the case. Therefore, each individual needs to really identify themselves what they need to pursue and what they need to avoid to stay motivated in any context. So this is primarily the work we do in organization. It is really to help them get what I call stakeholder buy-in. How do you get employees, managers, the whole organization to buy into the change, the strategy, or whatever it is that you want them to buy into? And that is very individual. My intrinsic motivation is not the same as yours. My, my energy trainer is not the same. My needs is not the same. And I need to identify that so I know what I can do. Does that make sense? It does. And I want for our listeners really quick, because you do this beautifully in the book, to just list out so they can start to distinguish what we mean about getting more specific and, and, and intrinsic. So the mass motivation, some of the things you mentioned in your book, of course, are, you know, the the sales incentives, corporate communications, team yeah. building. Yeah. Um, open door policies, participative management practices, reward and recognition programs, those are all considered mass motivation. So um, I know Dan Pink's fairly well. Dan Pink's worked fairly well, and I got him on the show one of these days. I hope he'll say yes. He has said yes, but then I have to get past his agent, right? Um, (laughs) um, But you say in your book that he reminds us that intrinsic motivation comes through purpose, mastery, and autonomy. Um, And then you, you sort of distinguish how these motivators are more potent than extrinsic motivation, which usually comes in the form of safety, security, salary, pleasant working environment, etc. So say more about intrinsic motivation. Yeah, if it's okay, if I can start uh, a little bit uh, on, an, uh, um, on another um, uh, page or uh, that when we look at motivation uh, and we look at how motivation is created, um, we have, as I said, there's, there's, two, uh, there's two level in it. The first thing is to identify what you need to avoid to stay motivated, which, as I said, is those two layers uh, of uh, what drains your energy and also uh, your needs. And then that is what we call often linked to intrins- or extrinsic motivation. Uh, then we have the two upper layers in the brain. Uh, and they are talking about talents and purpose. So we have kind of four layers if we look at motivation. We have energy, needs, which is linked more to the emotional part of the brain. And then we have talents and purpose, which is linked to the uh, more rational part of the brain. Um, so 
those two things is really important because if you only operate with motivation from the emotional part of the brain, which is driven by extrinsic things, do I get the pay I want? Are my colleagues nice to me? Do I uh, have the spot in the, co- in, the, in the company that I want? Do I get the promotion? All of these things, they are external driven, right? Where when we talk about intrinsic motivation, when we talk about spending time with your talents and your purpose, it is about what you you would naturally do without even considering to get a, a reward from it. Meaning that when when if you have, for instance, uh, a talent for mastery, you would be so diving into to the whole thing about the, for instance, for me, about the brain. I have read, I don't know how many brain books. I'm totally in my own spot when I do this. Mm-hmm. I'm in my flow, right? Mm-hmm. I don't need anybody to come and give me a punch on the back and say, well done. No, I just do it because I just can't help doing it. And then if we look at the purpose part, this is linked to the same feeling that actually I am not... I'm not in this to get something, to get something. I'm in it to give something. So that is a huge difference because when you give something, you are in an appreciative spot where you want something, you see things, incidents, uh, and those, you know, as a threat. If you don't get it, that makes you bad. You don't get the same reaction if you are not able to master, for instance. It's not going to create an emotional reaction with you, but you get a sense of fatigue if you're not able to spend time on your talents. So there is, there is as I, uh, anyway, uh, the research that I have done, there is these four layers. It is the energy, needs, talents, and purpose. And they are all equally important to manage how beautifully rendered, Haley, and that's exactly why I wanted you to just to address the, the the way that you that you look at it and how you've been in inquiry into the space because it gives such a a new way for people who are listening to this to consider motivation and I hope in a way that they've never heard before. Mm-hmm. Let's talk um, just briefly, and then we'll need to cut for a quick break here uh, about your your M factor. Yes, yes. So the M factor is when you are able again to manage to manage your motivation where you are able to identify, oops, I'm too much extrinsic driven uh, right now, so I need to spend more time on my intrinsic motivation, on my talents and my purpose. And at the same time, we have what we call motivation capabilities, which is a really important part. So if you look at it again from these energy needs, talents and purpose, um, the energy and needs referring to energy drainers and needs, personal needs that can be threatened. That is what we call motivation capabilities. And if you have too many energy drainers in your life, if you have too many things, too many needs that is being threatened, your capacity to manage your motivation is slowing. Like the computer, again, if I can use that as a reference, right? The more programs you upload in the computer, what happens then? It slows down. Exactly. That is the same with the brain. Because energy drainers and needs, they processes, they are being processed in the working memory of the brain. And that slows it down. 
And that is what makes people, you can say, thonal-sided. If you're too much in there, if your motivation capabilities are too low, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to move yourself or to move others. Absolutely. Absolutely. And beautifully said. And now that we've really created a base here, let's go ahead and grab our first break, Heli. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Heli Bundegaard. She is the founder of Motivation Factory Institute in Denmark and the co-author of The Motivated Brain. We've been talking a bit about her research and what's formulated the underlying of her assessment and her work. After the break, we're going to dig more into each of those four areas of motivation. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Heli Bunsgaard. She's the founder of Motivation Factory Institute in Denmark and the co-author of The Motivated Brain. She's dedicated the last 20 years to translating the newest discoveries within the field of neuropsychology into hands-on tools that create and support motivation. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So for this next segment, Heli, I want to give our listeners more access to that four-part model of yours that you address. And you did mention energy, needs, talents, and purpose. And I want to take them, take you through each one of those. Yeah. So to start, um, I'm very, very intrigued about you, what you talk about with uh, with energy drainers. And so I think this would be very useful for our listeners if you could help us understand what do you mean by drainers? What What does that look like? Yeah, so if you ask yourself what right now is draining my energy, you know, it could be a colleague, it could be having uh, kids at home have to homeschool them. It can be a trillion different things. But those energy trainers, uh, as I said, uh, is often, uh, or they occur when our um, expectation doesn't match our life circumstances. So that, that means that, for instance, if I have an expectation that my colleague, for instance, delivers something to me at 10 o'clock uh, this, this day and they don't, that becomes an energy drainer. Or it could also be that I have an expectation of myself that, you know what, this morning I'm going for a run and then when the clock rings and I shut it down and I think, oh, no, not today. And when I woke up, that would also often be an energy drain. Now, you already drained because you didn't fulfill your own expectations as you put them out. So energy drainers occur in many different ways. But as I said, typically 80% of what drains our energy is about something that somebody do or don't do. And honestly, we cannot change other people. That's we right. We can't. Unless... 
they are willing to change. And therefore, when we get these energy trainers, it is often it's just put out there as a you know a word. Oh, you know, you know, people don't deliver what they need to do. That is an energy trainer. And what is important is to understand what is actually behind that energy trainer to really get um, words, to put words to it so we are able to process it in the more rational part of the brain because the emotional part of the brain doesn't carry a language. It just carries the feelings, right? So the energy trainer starting by putting words to it that, you know, I'm not getting what I want. And then we have the conversation about, okay, what expectations do you have? Well, I have the expectations that other people, you know, deliver in time and that they keep their promises, all the expectations that you have. The next question you could ask is that, okay, now, <clears throat> is there anything that you feel that you would, should or could do in regards to this energy trainer or put it another way? Is there any guilt connected to this energy trainer? And typically, in this situation, people will say, oh, you know what, yes, of course, because I'm not able to deliver when I not, don't get the information. So that's the second kind of thing that we discover. Then we can ask the question, okay, now, is any standards or boundaries being uh, crossed as a result of this energy trainer? And then the person might say, yeah, you know, yeah, because I cannot hold my deadlines and so on and so forth. And the last question is, so is there any do you, toleration connected to this energy trainer? And the toleration can be, yes, I am tolerated other people's bad behavior, right? So the first step of working with energy trainers is really to understand what is behind. And you can do that by these questions. Then you realize, whoa, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of expectation and standards and guilt and everything else. The next step we do is not to dive more into it because it is what it is. So the next question we are going to ask is, okay, what would you like instead of the energy trainer? And in this situation, people could say, well, of course, I want people to deliver on time. Okay, why is that important to you? Well, that could be important to me because then I can meet my deadlines. I can... I will feel more connected to my colleagues. I will not be so angry. You know, those kind of things. That is why it's important to me. And then the last question we ask is, okay, so what within your control can you do to get more of what you want? And this is a very empowering exercise because you are moving from being the victim to actually take a control here. Okay, what can I do? Well, I, can, I might be, uh, I might, I can try different communication preferences. What I also can do is I can have a conversation with the person and dive more into looking into from their perspective, maybe bond more with them. Or I can focus on other areas that actually, other things that can give me what I want. And so there's always options, always. And as soon as you get these options on the table, you can literally see the energy floating into people and that they're like, whoa, yes, I'm not a victim. I'm not, I'm not stuck anymore. I actually have options. Now, one option could also be to leave, you know. 
if that energy trainer, if you have a manager, for instance, that you just, no matter what, you cannot satisfy, you get, it's just, you have tried everything, then one option is to leave. And when I put that to people, they're like, no, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, but that is a choice, right? You see the difference between feeling that you are stuck in a situation and that you are the victim. You actually have one option, and that is to leave. Now you choose to come here every morning, right? So what more choices do you have? So just to look at it like this, give people the, you know, the, the opportunity to really focus on what is within their control. And then the last thing is, of course, saying, okay, now, now we have all these options that you can do, which is within your control. Which of these options would you like to do something about right now? This is a very powerful exercise and also a very powerful exercise to do together with somebody else because sometimes we cannot, you know, we cannot see the forest for, for trees. And therefore, it can be really nice to have somebody to, to do it together with. I also do this exercise in teams and organization where we start this work saying, okay, what is in your way? What is draining this team's energy right now? And then we do it as a team exercise. It is so powerful because that releases the energy where you feel empowered again. You feel in control, right? So that is the first layer that is about really identifying what it is that takes so much energy in your working in your in your working memory that you cannot find space for other things right as soon as you've done this exercise you can put it on the hard disk because then you have given a language to it to what is going on and you are putting it from the emotional part of the brain lifting it to the more rational part of the brain where you are able to make goal-oriented, you know, actions and behavior and visualizing what you can do. Oh my yeah. gosh, Shelley, that is just gorgeous. Yes, and I and I and the way that you that you're right when you give language to something, I like how you you situate that it puts allows us to put it into the rational brain. Yes. Um, you were going to say something else before I I stepped in. No, no. Okay, no. okay. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to go on to your next level, needs? Yeah, yeah, okay. needs. Before we yeah. you, you talk about that, let me just share with our listeners what I found so intriguing as a mm-hmm. way to start the situation process. But um, you describe a need as a pattern of behavior that makes us feel comfortable and safe. That right there alone just gives us access. And then you say what happens when our needs are met or not met is it makes all the difference. And so let me ask you this, Haley. When, when our needs are not met... You say that we feel threatened and usually respond with a visceral or prim- primal emotion like anger or fear or even violence. Yeah. So I want to just start with that as a premise because I think that really helps our listeners understand and, and get access to needs. So what do you want to share with us about needs? Needs is absolutely my favorite because that is probably the one thing that knowing those will give you the biggest impact in managing your own motivation. Uh, the needs are your emotional triggers. And as you said, they are there to serve you because when you get your needs met, you feel good. Now, giving an example, one of my needs is freedom, right? So when I have freedom, I feel good, right? And the needs is also what you would pursue. So that means that the needs can serve you, but it can definitely also be, as I said, the emotional trigger that actually can take you away from being the best part of being the best version of yourself. 
an example. This need of freedom. Now I travel about 150 days a year. And when I come to the airport and they tell me my flight is delayed, I get this chemical reaction in the brain. I get angry with the person who delivers the message, right. which is just stupid. You know that in your rational part of the brain, you do know that. But in that moment, that is the threat. And this is what I'm, so in that moment, the p- person who delivered the message is the threat. And then I go back to these basic reactions. Either I'm going to fight it, I'm going to freeze, or I'm going to run away. But because I know, okay, I've get, I, get the, I, 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 I get the trigger, but now I know, okay, this is my need being threatened. I don't need to react, right? That is not that person's fault. That awareness makes me again rise it to the uh, rational part of the brain. But if you don't have that knowledge, right, this is why you see people that is normally very functioning go berserk in situations where you're like, what, what was that? Why do they shout at that person? Because that's not their fault. Everybody knows that. No, you don't. Because in that moment, that person becomes a sable tiger. And then we are again back to the emotional part of the brain. Now, the brain is not able to distinguish whether it is actually a dangerous animal attacking you or it is a hostile colleague coming towards you. So therefore, it is really important to work with the needs, understand the needs, these emotional triggers, because then you are able to not respond uh, so much to it. And if we look at extrinsic motivation, extrinsic motivation goes directly to the needs because if you have a need to succeed or you have a need to be appreciated and you don't get that appreciation or you don't get that bonus or whatever it is, then you go back to these uh, reactions again. Either you're going to fight for it, you're going to run away or you're just going to freeze, become ignorant, you know, being all these people that just don't want to change because you just, okay, you know, what's worth it? Because, you know, so th- that is probably most of the most, or the most important thing to know is those needs. If you, if you look at it like this, Let's say that you have a, uh, a uh, if you as a sales director, you have a need for freedom and you have a sales manager who has a need for order. Now, what happens when that person goes to the sales director and says, you know what, I would like to, for you to give me some instructions because I would, I, I mean, I would like to get some feedback and the sales director is like, come on, right? Go out and do as you want to do because, you know, you get, you get a high paycheck. So you figure it out because he likes the freedom himself. He doesn't want anybody to provide him with structure. So we lead and we treat others with, with the same thing as is important for us, right? And there you have a typical needs conflict. Because if you have another sales director in the organization who also have a need for freedom, those two people will talk so brilliant together, while the person with the need for order, he or she will say, what a jerk, right? What a jerk. This is the worst boss I ever had. So this is the whole thing about the needs that, that, that you need to be aware about it because if you don't have the need to be appreciated yourself, 
you don't think about it. So that means that if you have people in the organization who does have a need to be appreciated, it can be really hard, right? So, so this is, this is uh, why it's so important with the needs, because they are your emotional triggers and they are really powerful. And every conflict is a matter of need. Every anger starts by needs. So this is this is a, 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 a really important tool to know or insight to have. Mm. And what we also see is that the needs are also anchored in the energy trainers. Right. Yes. Yeah. So it's all linked together. So this is why we talk about the, the motivation capabilities. That is kind of the two things in the in the bottom, you can say what we refer to as motivation capabilities. How capable are you at identifying what to pursue and to avoid, to stay motivated and to manage your motivation? I'm not talking about intellectual capabilities. I'm simply talking about how much capacity is left in the brain to move to the next, you know, to move to the upper part uh, of, the, of the brain, the rational part of the brain. Mm, beautifully rendered. And again, I just wanted to extract your expertise because you're giving our, our listeners such an access, a deeper access to motivation than just, yeah, I feel like doing it or I don't. So on that, let's grab our last break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Heli Bundegaard. She's the founder of Motivation Factory Institute in Denmark and the co-author of The Motivated Brain. She joins us today from Copenhagen, Denmark. After the break, we're going to hear more about talents and purpose. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Heli Bundegaard. She's the founder of Motivation Factor Institute in Denmark and the co-author of The Motivated Brain. She's dedicated the last 20 years to translating the newest discoveries within the field of neuropsychology into hands-on tools that create and support motivation. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Okay, so the next part of, of your model here is is talents. And so I want to talk with them about their role in motivation. What shall we say there? Yeah. Uh, now, if I can, uh, if I can start uh, by just telling a little story, because when I was I in love my stories, of course, okay. please. <laughs> when I was in my early thirties, I became an IT millionaire. I was uh, one of the founders of an IT company that was so very successful to another IT company, and I became an IT millionaire. 
Now, for, for, for different reasons and, and growing up in a very poor childhood and so on, one of my primary goals when I went to work was to become rich. That was just one thing I just wanted. So that when I reached that goal and I was there with all this money, of course, I was ecstatic. I, I mean, everybody would kind of be ecstatic. But then after a few months, the emptiness came in. In the sense, that, but then now what? You know, I reached my overall goal. I, I, so then what? So actually, it became it became great uh, motivator, yes. But it also after a few months, it became a really demotivator because then was all the things about but what is the purpose? If I'm not going to do this anymore, I already reached what I want. So what do I do with my life? Now, just for the for the history, I lost all the money again in the big <laughs> IT moment, just to put that out there. That, okay. was absolutely, that was absolutely demotivating. But you know what? After some months, you are back again. So this about, uh, going back to this about the gold, and I coach senior executives all over the world. And I can tell you that it's some of the same struggle that they have. Now they have become CEO of this big company and they have tried to become CEO of bigger and bigger and bigger companies. And then what? Kind of at some point you reach the level of where you are, okay, yes, but then what? You start to think about this. What is it? What, what is the meaning? What is the purpose, right? What is the next step for me? Because everything I pursue, I reach, okay? Anyway, um, so the talents uh, and the purpose, because those two things are so well connected. Um, my, if I can start with telling my purpose, um, that my purpose is that through neuroscience, I discover and catalyze new programs and methodologies that help people find their motivation. Mm, that is it. my purpose, yes. Now, catalyze and discover. Those two are very high on my talent list. And when we talk about talents in this, when we talk about this framework, we are not talking about competences. We are talking about where the brain has this big network where you, that naturally would, whenever you are doing something, it goes to those network, which is huge. And you would naturally pursue that to do whatever it is that you that you want to do. For instance, um, whenever I get an assignment, I also have a talent for mastery. What do I do? I look for new opportunities. You know, I catalyze, and I, I just can't help it. But that doesn't have anything to do with my competences. It's not a skill set. It's just a way the brain the because. If you look at it like this, the brain is lazy, so it will always take the fastest path. And the fastest path to finding new things is through uh, areas in the brain where you already have a lot of connections. So when we talk about talents here, it's about where do you have the biggest cluster of connections in the brain? And how do you use that? Because learning new things is much easier to do through your uh, talents than anything else. If I can give you an example, I had a person in uh, in uh, in uh, in coaching, and um, she had been told for 
many years, she was a, almost at the level of CEO. And now she was told, if you are going to reach that level, you do need to work with your, with your empathy, right? Because you'll have your employees are bleeding behind you. You are too quick, too fast, right? Yep. Yes. Uh, so you need to do something. And believe me, she had been through I don't know how many programs with learning body language and emotional intelligence and, you know, whatever. And it didn't really help. Now, this is what is happening. When you put people to programs to learn something, if they don't already have connections, a cluster of connection in that area, it's very difficult to keep that learning. So when she came to me and we talked and, 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 and we did the, um, did the assessment to see, okay, her number one talent was discovery. And I said to her, so tell me more about what is it, how does this talent play out? And she said, well, you know, I'm so curious. I'm really curious about things and putting things together and discovering new things and all this. I said to her, okay, could you be more curious to what is going on with your employees? It sounds so simple, but that was a deal breaker for her because now you talk to a language and you spend time in areas the brain already have big connections. So... When she came back to coaching after, after three weeks, she said, whoa, you know, the CEO said to her, some of her employees said, what's happened to her? I mean, she's <laughs> become much more empathic. No, it's nothing to do with empathy, but she just spent more time on being more curious. Mm-hmm. because. So in that way, then, then the brain slowly but surely starts to build bridge to the empathy. And then she realized, oh, if I'm more curious about what goes on with you, then I get a different response. And the brain picks up on that. So this is why it's so important to know these talents because when we know them, it's much easier to bridge uh, from where we have that to what we want more of. And this brings me to this whole thing about talking about weaknesses. And this is because let me just let me just say this once and for all that you are never gonna reach excellence in areas where you feel that you are having to struggle big time. Mm-hmm. But what you can do, you know, another example I can give you know when we have small kids, right? And we want them to teach math. But they don't have a clue. And you say, what's two plus two? And they're just, I don't know. But if they can, if they know the word for apple and they can count to four and you put two apples in one hand and two apples in the other and you say, how many apples is this? Well, there is four apples. So you see, this is what, for some reason, we lose that kind of ability to talk to the language the brain already knows because we want to have everybody kind of, if we have a position, we want that position to be like this and everybody needs to follow the same structure, you see? And this is also about mass motivation. Yes, that's exactly where I was going. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. But this, this approach here, uh, you see, but if you, if you ask a person who has one year in school and they are very mathematically and they already are so good with numbers, of course, they would be able to see the equation. So this is about learning new things through where you already have uh, connections in the brain. Mm. So, so, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I, I'm just cognizant of how far we are away from having to cl- conclude the show. And I still want you to talk about purpose, of course. So, yes. But before we do that, let me just do this for our listeners really quick, because I want them to understand just what you have created in this assessment, which is beautiful. Um, you've, you've, your research has identified 200 needs and 170 talents, and yeah. you group them into 14 broad categories of needs and nine broad categories of talents. So I just want to, we can't talk about those now, but I just want to, I want the listeners to understand the breadth of what your assessment and your research has covered so they can start to recognize and appreciate just what they can learn about themselves. So having said that, now let's talk about purpose. Yes. Now, again, purpose is, uh, is as you said, my purpose is that through neuroscience, I develop and catalyze new programs and methodologies that help people find their motivation. I have a lot of speaking engagement. I do a lot of teaching. I do a lot of coaching and so on. Now, if I go into a room watching something, just think of it. I'm going to do a presentation, for instance, or I'm going to do, uh, I have a speaking engagement where I'm going to talk to leaders or whatever it is. Now, if I go in there, I also have a need for personal power. So I go out on the stage and somebody in the some somebody in the room starts to you know shuffling around with their iPhone or whatever. Now my brain will automatically see that person as a threat because I don't have the personal power. Can you follow me on this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But that is not my purpose, right? My purpose is to offer what I have, and because I cannot control how other people are going to walk away with what I give them. So this is the whole thing that, and because of that, I'm aware or I am able to detach from other people's behavior because they, they do what they do, but I'm here to, you know, offer something. Whether they want to take it or not, it's outside my control. So that is why the purpose is so, so important. Because if we don't have an overall purpose, we tend to get into these needs and then we want, we can become needy. We want something, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so the, the, the purpose is really what can help us be in the more rational part of the brain and not getting sucked into uh, other people's bad behavior or sucked into circumstances that is not good for us. Um, so the purpose is really powerful. And I can tell you, if I have known what I know today, I could have saved myself and some companies a lot of money and frustrations, not changing jobs so often and so on and so forth. Uh, so it gives this calmness. The other thing about the purpose, which is really important, is to say, I don't do things that is not aligned with my purpose. Now, the question I sometimes get when I work with organizations is, but what if, the, what, what if the purpose of the CEO or the employees doesn't match the purpose of the company? Well, that, that's, not, that's not really the question. The question is how to apply your purpose in the situation you are in. For instance, I can be as I am. I'm the founder of Motivation Factor Institute. But let's just say that I want to work for an organization in HR. I can still bring carry my purpose with me into that job. Right. I can also go to a consultant's company to work. But what I don't do is that I I keep away from doing strategic work. When I do a work with company and work strategically with them about managing motivation and how to do that in the organization, but the strategy itself 
you know, starting to do it. I'm not, I can't can do it, yes, but that's not my purpose. So I only focus on what is within my purpose, and that is the part where we talk about motivation. Mm. I, and that's smack in my world right there. And here we've done it. We've managed to do it, Haley. We've we managed to um, just, I don't want to say um, blow past, but we have we have now used an hour of time together. Can you believe that? No. So we're at the end of the program, and I want to give you the chance to close as you like. So say in less than, say, 20 seconds, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Uh, what I want to leave you with out there is that motivation is too important to leave to others. Absolutely. So take it on yourself. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Got exactly. it. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful way to yeah. finish. Yes, you deserve that. Exactly right. Helly, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your, your beautiful insights, the way that you rendered them clearly that it's from a passion and purpose. And I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really enjoyed it, Elise. Good. Me too. Listeners, if you want to learn more about Heli, her book, The Motivated Brain, or what she and her team are doing at The Motivation Factor, visit her website. It is motivationfactor.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch a recorded podcast. We were on the air with David Drake of The Moment Institute. We talked about the work he does to create transformative encounters in the workplace. Next week, we'll be on the air with Jayesh Parekh, who is the co-founder of Sony Entertainment Television and author, talking about the work he's doing to help successful entrepreneurs exit their ventures to practice philanthropy and wealth management while reducing emotional baggage for themselves. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose. 